Hey, group, this is the Son of Gore, and you're listening to the Secret Lair Drive-In. <laughs> Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews. And now, on with the show. so vast, so huge, that it would take a whole planet to conceal it. You must sail to the haunted stars. Find the Count's secret planet and destroy it.
Well, hello there, and welcome to yet another exciting, intellectually stimulating episode of The Secret Lair Drive-In. <laughs> From deep within our fortified, cheese-proof bunker below the actual Secret Lair Drive-In. <laughs> I am your host, your fearless leader, D-Dub. And across the table from me is my co-host and faithful acolyte, Stratosphere. Hi, kids. Well, before we get before we get into this week's film, let's toss out that contact information. As always, if you'd like to suggest a movie, comment on the show, tell us how great we are, tell us what idiots we are. What email address would they use for that? That would be secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And you can also visit us at secretlayerdrivein.podbean.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes He's, uh, through your Windows phone and Beyond Pod for your Android devices. Basically, you can't get away from us. That's right. And while you're out there, hey, share the link. That's right. I'm telling the sharing you, is caring. I'm telling you, I've got a, I've got a copy of I want to say 20 million miles to Earth. You know the, uh, yeah, Ray the, Harryhausen. Yeah, I'm thinking of whole, getting a picture of me holding it above a blender. It says share this link or the film gets it. You're a cold, cold man. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, what is this gem? Uh, this is a gem that. Uh... I think we're all sorry we unearthed this thing. Um, really, I, I I have a certain fondness for this. You would. Um, <laughs> the the 1979 and and I'm using air quotes here. Classic. Um, Star Crash. Yep, Star Crap. Now, um, now just to let you know a little bit of my history with this particular movie. Yes, please tell me because I'm dying to know how the hell you got into this. I saw this one at the theater. Wow. First release. Wow. And Just you know, wow. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, that's, you know, given that you were, what, 15 at the time, that's almost child abuse. Well, you know, you, you got to keep in mind, you know, the whole country, Star Wars, mania, that sort of thing. And here you have this Italian movie that comes over. And I didn't know it was Italian. And all I know is they had a hot chick in a space bikini. Well, there is that. That's a, uh, the, the one thing, the, well, the one and a half things it has going for it, it has the lovely, lovely Carolyn Monroe, who, as, as ridiculous as this movie in, is, you know, she is smoking hot. Yeah, the funny in, thing. In all her various stages of undress. But the funny thing about it, you know, when it came time to do like uh, some of the dubbing, because some of yeah. the stuff was in Italian, it was actually Marjo Gortner's wife. Yes, who, I did read who about did that. Vo- who did her voice? Because you know, as I was watching it, not back then, but over the last few months, I've watched it a couple of times. And yes, self abuse, love it. Um, but um, you know, I'm I'm looking at like something's really off with her. And uh, then I found out that's what it was. Yeah, she's... Uh, but now it's funny. Um, this movie does have a, a little bit of a, a pedigree, or it's got some pedigreed players in it. Uh, the aforementioned Marshall uh, Gortner, 
who uh, initially came to fame as a child evangelist. Yeah, I and then they did a documentary where he basically uh, showed showed him what the game was about. Yeah, showed him what a load of crap the whole thing was. And the, the really funny part about it is, since he was so little, he didn't even, he didn't realize he wasn't supposed to be telling them this part. So it wasn't until the actual documentary came out that uh, his his dad and all of them were like, "What did you do?" <laughs> but I've seen Marjorie Gordon. He was in Earthquake uh, and a couple other films. Uh, yeah, I remember he was on some sort of uh, '70s or '80s reality show. Don't remember what it was, but uh, he, he was, was on Circus of the Stars a lot. Actually, um, he was very opinionated. I remember. Yeah, because he was the one on this particular show that would be spouting his opinions and all that, and everybody was was like, oh, that's just Marjo. Yeah, well, he's... He a, looked really weird in this, too. Like, uh, well, he had Guy Liner on, for one thing. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Carolyn Monroe has raccoon makeup on, but he's got the guy equivalent, and... It, kind of like Shatner wearing the eyeliner in the motion sickness? Yes. Okay. And to, But since uh, it's got all the muted tones... In Star Trek Motion Sickness, you don't notice it as bad, whereas this is this is a day glow acid trip nightmare. And it just ma- it just makes him look just really odd. Anyway, more pedigree. Um, okay, well you you've got the Hoff, David Hasselhoff. And uh, I want to say it's pre pre Night Rider, no? Pre Night Rider, yes. Yeah, and he's he's got got the big fro. Um, you you have uh, the. In the what are the what what was he thinking? He must have had a bill to pay. Uh, Christopher Plummer, who was only on set for a, like one, he, he did the whole thing day. in one day, and it shows. Yeah, because most most of his scenes are basically by himself. I think he's only got one actual scene with the with the rest of the cast. The and rest that's like the final scene, but it's like no, it's the the second last scene. Then he has another, yet another scene by himself. So I, I could I could very easily visualize them doing all his stuff in one day, or him looking at the script and just saying, "You're kidding, right?" I'm getting. I mean, he at least looks like he's trying. Well, I mean, he, he's Christopher Plummer. He's got a little bit of gravitas, you know. It it it, it sort of was the equivalent of maybe Brando doing the uh, Superman. It's like it, it, it sort you sort of had a very respected actor that they brought in to give the thing some credibility. Incidentally, did you know that Christopher Plummer hates the sound of music? Really? Yeah. He says he can't bring himself to watch it. Huh. But I anyway. I like it. Anywho. I would say the best place to start on this would be the, the plot. plot. In a distant galaxy, a starship searches for the evil Count Zarth Zarth Arn. In a distant, in a distant galaxy, not too long ago. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I mean, oh my God, the I'm not even. We can't. We literally don't have time to go into all the Star Wars ripoffs. The the. You just, I know, I know. Now, and it's funny because the version I saw had like this big scroll, but it was all in Italian. So I, I'm just like, I, this is this means nothing to me. I have no idea what this thing is saying to me. And then I, uh, I actually, I'll tell you what it says. I can't believe you're sitting in a theater watching this turkey. Well, and it's funny because I, I wound up watching, um, just to see if there was a, a clean English print of it. Okay. I, I found this thing. It's, uh, I guess, a fan version of Mystery Science Theater, Mystery Fandom Theater. Okay. And. 
the credits are in English, but that whole scroll is completely omitted. So apparently no one wanted to even bother trying to translate that because, you know. You know, I, I can't remember for the life of me when I saw it in the theaters if the scroll, if the scroll was there, if it was in English or what. I I couldn't, couldn't can't speak to that at all. Anywho, closing in on a planet, the ship is attacked by a, myster- a mysterious weapon, a red blobby field. And that's a lava lamp. Yeah, which drives the crew insane. Three escape pods launch during the attack, but the ship crashes into the atmosphere of the planet and is destroyed. Crashes into the atmosphere and it probably bounces off, right? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, outlaw smuggler Stella Starr and her sidekick Acton from Akron uh, run into the Imperial Space Police, led by Robot Sheriff L, who is is uh, outside of the lovely, lovely Carolyn Monroe. L is actually the the only watchable character because I I, I got to do it. <laughs> he's got he's got that southern accent. Yeah, and I I can't remember who it was, but every time every time they talk about L and this thing I was listening to once. The guy kept going, gig, 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 gig. <laughs> okay, like uh, Sheriff Sheriff uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane on the Dukes of Hazzard. Oh, when he laughed, he go, gig, gig. oh, okay. I was gonna say, see now, if if my wife were talking to you, she's she's a huge he- uh, Dukes fan. She'd know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I, I watched it. I'm like, whatever. Um, go up to your, go up to your wife and just go, gig, gig, and see if she gets it. Okay. Acton and Stella escape by jumping into hyperspace. When they emerge, they discover an escape pod from the attack starship, and in it, a sole survivor. Now, hang on. All right, they go through hyperspace and say, well, there's only like a 3% chance we're going to survive. But later on in the thing, well, we'll get to the... The, the, This... Okay. Uh, Before they can escape, they are apprehended by the police who tracked their hyperspace trail... (laughs) Didn't have anything to do with the breadcrumbs that Acton kept dropping. No, no. Um, tried, convicted, and found guilty of piracy, they are each sentenced to life in prison. When a riot breaks out at Stella's prison... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Stella's, pr- Stella's prison, now... Band name! They, they, are, they have these people. Basically, what they're doing is they're carrying these big balls and putting them in a hole. Yeah. Okay? Everybody else looks like they're wearing freaking radiation suits or something to kind of protect them from this. Yeah. And she's got on the leather space bikini. Yeah. I'm not complaining, but... I'm oh, no. What? But, like, what? I... Well, I'll, I'll, something similar happens later on when she's wearing uh, something else that you're kind of like, really? Really? Okay. Um, but, yeah, and the whole thing is set up kind of like... Uh, like an M.C. Escher staircase, kind of this this ro- I, rotating. I could see that. I could see that. Sure. I don't think that was their intention. It just looks that way. Oh, when a riot breaks out at Stella's prison, she uses the diversion to escape the prison, which explodes shortly afterwards. Of course. Now, hang on. Well, we don't have to go back to that set. Didn't, uh, now when she was sentenced, was that where the big head with the tentacles was doing the sentencing? Yes. Okay. We, All right, here's yet another ripoff. A Harryhausen ripoff. I was gonna say it. Look, it's total Ray Harryhausen. I mean, it wasn't him. It just a rip no, but the, but that that stop motion animation yeah. style. Oh, what? 
the hell? Yeah. Actually, they they, they come back to that. Uh, I I know. Yeah. I okay. Uh, Where they're ripping off another thing, but go on. Yes. Police Chief Thor, no relation. <laughs> Recaptures. That's the bald guy who's green sometimes and it isn't other times? Uh, he looks like a hungover Ben Kingsley is what he looks like. Yeah, but I'm just saying, they, <laughs> at one point they have his face painted almost like a green. Yeah, it's like it's green and then it's like, oh, normal. it's coming off now. And and it's not and it's not doing it with any type of consistency. So it looks like all this, as it happens with a lot of movies, the scenes were all shot out of order the makeup slowly faded and they just never put it back on so it goes from scene to scene whether ah, it's too much trouble we'll use real ones <laughs> see always goes back to the flintstones um uh police chief thor recaptures her and she's taken to an orbiting ship where she is reuni- reunited with acton and it feels so good they are contacted holographically by the emperor of the galaxy who thanks for thanks them for recovering the starship survivor. They are offered clemency if they help find three more missing escape pods, one of which may contain the Emperor's only son. The Emperor, of course, is in a feud with Count Zartharn. Now, I gotta admit, this guy, Zartharn or whatever... Oh, he, he is so over the top. It's, he is. He was actually rather entertaining. Uh... Yeah, in I, I found myself wishing he'd get a little more screen time because he had the bug-eyed, he had the weird hair, and he's just like, ah, ha, 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 ha. you know, that type of thing. Uh, but Count Zartharn, who has a secret weapon hidden away on a planet somewhere, the weapon has immense power and he can use it to take over the galaxy. That would be the uh, lava lamp of doom. Yes. With Chief Thor and L, the robot, accompanying them, that's a, a the 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 um, L's voice just yeah. kills me because I, I guess the the guy that did the voice his name is Hamilton Camp he's done a lot of voiceover work I thought okay it. but I, I'm assuming the original one in Italian did not have any kind because I can't imagine a, an Italian hillbilly accent <laughs> oh that makes my brain hurt just trying to think I of know it. right um what you know but you know you can have other uh other nationalities with a hillbilly accent. Um, when I was married to my first wife, uh, she had an uncle that had a Japanese war bride. Okay. It, it was her aunt Jean. Loved the woman. She was, she was a tiny little thing, totally a pistol. I mean, you could not slow her down. But because they, uh, her her family is basically a bunch of hillbillies, and she had been in this country since like you know I think the Korean War or whatever. Okay. And. Um, so she spoke with a Japanese accent, but with a hillbilly accent at the same time. And, it, and I can't even do it. It, but it do, boggles the mind. It really does. It really does. I, I First time I, I met her, I was talking uh, with my, my then first wife, and I'm like, okay, which accent does she have? Because she keeps going back and forth between them. She goes, I know, right? <laughs> Anywho. Okay. Dumb, dumb hick joke right now. <laughs> How do they really celebrate Halloween? I don't know. They pumpkin. Oh, uh, we we may have to we have to bleep that one. Oh, that's, I'm not gonna do that. That's bad. <laughs> okay, with Chief Thor and L accompanying them, the Emperor orders Stella and Acton to find the quartz weapon and find and rescue his son. They set off on their quest. They have a long way to travel, but Stella excitedly notes, Stella does everything excitedly, which is a good thing. Oh, yeah. 
It's a really good thing. Um, excitedly notes that hyperspace can make a journey that would have taken two weeks take only two hours. They could but be- it's freaking dangerous. <laughs> They've only got a 3% chance, but yeah! Uh, they quickly arrived at the location Acton computes for the first escape pod. You know, Acton's supposed to be like the hero. Do you ever notice, uh, outside of his little martial arts uh, scene, he does like nothing in this movie. Uh, she's the okay, one that takes got, all the risk. I got to go on something about Acton here. It's, I know it's going to come up as a plot point later. Acton supposedly can see the future. Okay. Uh, they do mention this. Yes. And it, yet he's still saying, we only have a 3% chance of survival. No, you know you're going to make it. <laughs> that's, a, you okay? know, that's a very good point. I didn't even think about that. And that's not even the worst of the I can see the future thing. Well, because, you know, she's like, well, you, you can see my future. And she's like, yes, but if you if I told you, you'd try to change it. So I can't tell you anything. I'm like, well, well of course you try to change it. What kind of a time lord are you? <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, you got to st- watch a volume on that, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stella and L take a shuttle from the spaceship and land near the pod on a sandy, rocky beach. Stella meets an Amazonian warrior tribe and is escorted to their underground fortress. See, this is where the, the movie really started to seem like acid trip because it's like, okay, now we're fighting cavemen. Of course we are. <laughs> Well, no, actually, it was Amazons. The cavemen came later. Oh, okay. But if oh I'm no, not, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, but if I'm not mistaken, during the course of this, isn't there somebody shooting like eye, eye laser beams that makes this giant statue come and Harry Housen after them? And yeah, it's a big female robot because yeah, it because it has of, boobs basically and kind of throws its dagger down to block a path going somewhere. Yeah, or which actually. I thought that effect was actually probably the neatest effect in the whole damn movie. The way it, it, it's the one thing I was like, okay, that one they pulled off. Everything else, I got nothing. Um, on arrival, L is ambushed, shot, and left for dead, and Stella is taken captive. Stella is taken before Corelia, queen of the Amazons, who is in league with Zarth Arn. L doesn't die, and he makes his way to the throne room of Corelia. Queen of the Amazons, taking her hostage to secure Stella's release. They escape, but the queen mentally activates a giant female robot, which, there we go. which chases them. Things look dire until the pair are rescued by Acton and Thor in the spaceship. Now, they go to find the second escape pod on a frozen planet, but find no survivors. Um, okay, this is a science fiction movie. Don't they normally have some sort of sensors on their vehicles, you would think? Oh, yeah. Couldn't they scan from orbit to see that there's nobody down there? You would think. Well, and take it a step farther, it's like, okay, it's a planet. Now, if, if say, you were landing anywhere here, uh, say it's a planet the size of Earth. Okay, you you, you land, let's let's say you you land at... uh, a local mall. Now, you know, just because you don't see who you're looking for within walking distance, oh, they're not here. <laughs> it's like, really? And couldn't Acton have seen the future that they don't find anything and just say, okay, but we then they would have tried there. to change it. Aren't you paying attention? How could oh, yes, you try right, to change? Not, how can you try not? How can you try changing not finding something? You're gonna find something that's not there then? Yes. 
See how that works? Um, upon their return to the ship, Thor, who was ambushed and apparently not apparent, <clears throat> apparently knocked out Acton, reveals that he is an agent of Zartharn and will shortly join him as his Prince of Darkness. Thor traps Stella and Elle outside on this planet where the temperature drops thousands of degrees at night. Thousands of degrees. Way below absolute zero, even. Yeah. Uh, where he knows they will freeze to death. What a charming fellow. Well, he, he does turn green. So, Elle and Stella... That's because he's envious of people in better movies. Ah, see what you did there. Elle and Stella lie down to freeze, and Elle takes Stella's hand... So he can keep her heart going in suspended animation. <laughs> oh my god. Acton revives himself and battles Thor. Again, no relation. Thor gains the upper hand and tries to crush Acton, but Acton's powers suddenly escalate, and he repels Thor's attack and absorbs blaster fire seemingly without effort to Thor's considerable disbelief. Acton ref- And the audiences as well. Oh, if you're in the audience, you had to have stopped believing in this thing a long time ago. Uh, Acton reflects Thor's final laser shots back towards him with his hand, killing him. Killing him with his hand. Uh, but the sun... Okay. I, didn't, I didn't want to make it seem like his hand was... Oh, my hand is killing me. Um, but the sun is already set, and the planet's surface is frozen solid. Acton brings L and Frozen Stella... back. Another band name, Frozen Stella... Back onto the ship where he uses his powers to thaw her out. On the planet of the third escape pod, they are attacked by barbarian tribesmen who smash L to pieces and abduct Stella. Yeah, the, uh, the, yeah. when they did to the cavemen, I'm just like, now we're now we're dealing with cavemen. Of course we are. And don't they have her hanging upside down, I want to say? Yes. Okay. Because if you had Carolyn Monroe... Why not? Yeah, yeah, if you had Carolyn Monroe in, in that, you would have her hanging upside down. Uh, she is, escapes, escapes, and flies to a nearby cave where she is attacked by more tribesmen, but a man in a golden mask arrives, firing lasers through his eyes and rescues her. More laser eyes. Now, i got to ask you, and I'm not trying to class up the movie in any way, shape, or form, but the golden mask, did it remind you a little bit of uh, Zardoz, the old Sean Connery thing? Uh, just kind of had that vibe to me. I was thinking more like Greek or something like that. Could be, could be, but yeah, it's a I, my again. This thing is such an acid trip. I'm like, oh, now we've wandered over onto the set of Zardoz. Cool. Um, John Connery in his space diaper. Yeah. Hey, he is revealed to be the Emperor's son, Simon. Acton arrives and starts a... Simon says... Simon says... Go snow. Oh, never mind. Uh, Starts a laser sword, not saber, because that's copyrighted, a laser sword (coughs) duel with Simon, unaware of his identity. Simon proves his relation to the Emperor, and the trio set off to find the Count's secret weapon. One dumb movie. Ah, ah, ah. Sorry. Just keep going. Arriving at an underground laboratory, the three are captured by the guards. The Count reveals his plan to use them as bait to bring the Emperor to the planet and then have his weapons self-destruct, destroying the planet, the Emperor, and all of them. He leaves them, departing to conquer the Emperor's homeworld. As the Count leaves, he orders his two robot golems to keep the group there. Act... (sighs) Yeah. These two. 
Actually, I'd kind of, I think it'd look kind of cool to have one on the shelf. Yeah, you would. Um, Acton engages them in a duel, and the trio eventually defeat the robots, but Acton is mortally wounded. He says goodbye and vanishes in a plume of electrical fuzz. The Emperor arrives at the planet. He is aware that the whole thing is mined with nuclear bombs as a trap, and they're out of time. He mentions that one doesn't get to be Emperor without getting some perks, and uses a green ray from his flagship to stop time for three minutes, giving them Every all- molecule on the planet, which, to my thinking, would also mean Stella and the Hoff. Yeah. But apparently not. Uh, so then they have enough time to escape. The flagship pulls away as the planet explodes behind it. Stella stands with the Emperor on his flagship as a huge battle commences between his armada and the Count's space station. Then you have those little... Uh, the ships that all fly in a straight line, one after another? Yeah, and they, they look like these little golden two-man submarines, space submarines. Oh, know. the torpedoes that yeah. crash through windows and people jump out immediately? Yeah. No explosive decompression or anything? No. They just broke a window, but... And the big ship that looks like a hand but kind of makes a fist. and Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. Now I totally lost my place. Um, oh, no, wait. That's the movie. The Count also attacks the Emperor's homeworld, but the attack is a failure. The, the Emperor's soldiers storm the space station, but after a pitched battle are stopped short by the Count's reinforcements. With no option left, the Emperor decides to ram his flagship into the Count's space station, destroying them both. Was it his flagship, or I thought it was, like, something else? Uh, no, that's the, the hand thing, I thought. No, oh, okay. Or, no, no, you're right. No, the Count Space Station is the hand thing. Right. I have such a headache. Um, but L has been salvaged and rebuilt by the Emperor's men in, you know, what, five minutes? Um... <coughs> They used the whole stop time thing to... Oh, okay. Well, why didn't I think of that? Stella and L volunteer to fly an evacuated space station, the Floating City, and to fly it into the Count Station and destroy it. They fly the city towards the space station and manage to escape together just as their station crashes into the Counts, finally winning... they just kind of go out an open window. (laughs) I mean, yeah, she's got a helmet on... But she's got tights underneath. Now, Carolyn Monroe and tights is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I can't emphasize that enough. But, you know, you're like, wait a minute. Against unprotected space, she's she's wearing basically a leotard with, with a little silver skirt at and, one and, point and, did and a she, cape. At what point did she have on that garbage bag looking thing, the clear garbage bag looking thing? Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that was a... That was a moment. I thought that was supposed to be like a space suit or something. Yeah, but in that scene where they go out the open window... Okay. No, she's got on space tights, basically. And it's like, I'm I'm sitting there like, okay, I've been so patient with not not bitching about the science of this thing, but I'm sorry, this is where she explodes, okay? It's it's just not happening. Anywho, Stella and Elle are picked up uh, by the Emperor's son, Simon... And he is happy Stella survived and asks her to marry him. I don't. I didn't see that in my the print I saw. It might have happened. I might have. But I, I did. I did love the part where they were yelling at each other over the monitor because she's like Simon. He's like Stella, and I, mm. I kept expecting him to like pull a streetcar named Desire. Stella. 
<laughs> Simon. So, and uh, that's that's pretty much that. <laughs> okay. Um, so don't hold back. What did you think of this? <laughs> oh my god! Again, I keep going back to acid trip. It was just like it, it's like someone went to see. Um, even though I know this didn't come out actually till a few years later, it's like they they saw of the '80s Flash Gordon and Star Wars, and saw them as a double feature. Took massive amounts of acid. Went back in time to to '78. And just, like, it, it just has that Ed Wood quality of, no, yeah, we'll put that in. Yeah, no, one take, no, that's perfect, that's perfect. Well, now, I will say, um, Roger Corman's name was attached, but he actually didn't have anything to do with it. I should hope He's not. More, he was more, I think it had something to do with the distribution. Oh, so, for oh. those of you who think this was actually a Corman, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, no, Corman, you know, Corman's, I'll, I'll say it again, Corman's a highly underrated uh, director. He's, yeah, he, he's the king of cheap movies, but you know what? It's, anybody can make a cheap movie. He makes good movies for cheap. That's that's the genius of Roger Corman. He makes movies that are actually pretty darn entertaining on a shoestring budget. This looked like a shoestring budget that they basically bought shoestrings with and hung up the, the, the little spaceships with. Now, you see, I I think it's uh, it's entertainment if you it's entertaining if you take it for what it is. I mean, it doesn't pretend... Piece of crap? It, well, you know the old phrase, man. It's so uh, bad that it's good. I mean, you have to take it, a certain amount of... It's it's definitely Plan 9 bad. I mean, it it's it's got that... It, it, it actually does remind me a lot of Plan 9 as far as everybody looks really enthused to be making the movie. Everybody, I mean, everybody's killing the dialogue. I, I mean, as, as far well, as... Well, I mean, you have... I don't think Caroline Monroe had that many starring roles. I mean, she was a Bond girl. Right. I don't remember which one it was in. Spy Who Loved Me, I want to say. Could be. I can't remember. It's been so long. But um, let's face it, she didn't have a whole lot of starring roles. This was a starring role for her. Uh, it's it's had, sad that this is this is actually the biggest role I think she ever actually played. It was it was a star role. It was the lead role. Marjo Gortner. I mean, okay, he was in a lot of big movies like you had said before, Earthquake. Mm-hmm. But it was in a supporting role. Yeah, which is uh, that's actually to me the most interesting thing about the movie is the fact that. It usually you'd see, you know, like a la Doctor Who, you have the adventurer and the helpless female. And although his character is far from helpless, it's kind of a role reversal. You've got the adventurer female and the sidekick, who admittedly kicks a little bit of ass, so to speak. That's actually one of my favorite scenes in the thing where um, the green face Thor uh, he's got got the weapon out, and he's like, well, um, you're, you're toast now, dude. And he starts firing at him, and he's just, like, firing and firing, and he's, like, got this look on his face like, what? Well, if you recall, you know, there was a scene in uh, Empire Strikes Back, I want to say, where Han Solo's firing at Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out before that, so or at least it was filmed before that, so you well, this, know, it kind of predates that. No, Star Wars came out first. No, I'm talking about Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't... 
there's just no way, well, you know, as, as much as as little respect as I've had for George Lucas over the years, there's no way you'll ever expect me to believe that he was in any way influenced by. I'm this not movie. saying I'm not saying that he was, but you know, Sith happens. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got any other final thoughts before we rate this puppy? Um, when you're going to watch it, take a lot of ibuprofen mm-hmm. or Tylenol or your, your painkiller of choice because you will have a headache trying to follow this thing. It's really, like I said, it, it just, the whole thing strikes me as, um, okay, now, what if we did this? Okay, let's film that scene. Okay, now what if they went to Amazon's? Okay, great. Now if they went to an ice planet, yeah. Okay, now cavemen, yeah. Now everything blows up. Now we got a giant hand. <coughs> okay. Okay, well, you know, I like I said, I I find myself enjoying it. It's just one of those things you just kind of got to check out. Or, you know, mentally check out. Um, and plus, I, how can you be a B-movie fan Without seeing Star Crap, I mean Star Crash, at least once. Dude, this we're we're talking Z movie. This this doesn't even this this this. I that's one thing I would uh, say as far as recommendation is you have to see this movie just to see how freaking weird it is. It it, it was entertaining. It was one of those things that. You kind of wanted to keep watching it just to see what ridiculous thing they're going to throw into the mixer next. So, okay, that being said, let's rate it. Um got to go crap craptacular. Or no, 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 no. Oh, uh, no. Uh, I was going to say a bold move. No, I'm going going the opposite direction. Uh, I'll go um a single patty stink burger. I see I can't do that because I, I you know, I just there's a certain amount there's a certain amount of joy in just how bad this movie is. So I gotta go, craptastic. I can't give it a craptacular, but you know it's just so freaking out there. That yeah, that's uh, that. You know how can you not enjoy that? Um, I tried. <laughs> so okay, well, fair enough. Anyway, so uh, do so we, do we have a game plan for uh, next time? As a matter of fact, we do. But before that. W- Tell me, dear listeners, what's your opinion of this movie? Did you like it? Did you not like it? We have a split decision here, so what do you think? It's a photo finish. So what do you think? And you can answer, you can send your answer to secretlairpodcast at gmail.com. And hey, while you're out there, check out Geeks Explain It All. I understand that's a pretty good one, too. <laughs> I've heard some encouraging things. Okay, and actually, we do have a game plan for next time. Okay. I believe, let me look real quick. I believe we're going to do Rebirth of Mothra 1, I want to say. Yes. Is is that the proper name of it? Rebirth of Mothra. I don't know if it has a one. There's there's actually three of them, but we're doing the first one. I think up on top, the one that's sticking out. Yep, Rebirth of Mothra. That would be what we're doing. And he's actually going to break the shrink wrap on this one, so yay. Well, I just got a little bit of gum. Okay, and so with that being said, 
This is D-Dub. And Stratosphere. Saying go watch a B-movie. And why? Because they won't watch themselves. Bye, folks. Later, kids. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.